Hello and welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are officially an Arsenal podcast again. It's been a while, but it's back. It's back on with me tonight is, don't tell anyone, he's actually my favourite. It's Carl. All right, Carl, how are you doing? I am very good, looking dishevelled, uh, probably like half the men in the UK. I need a shave, I need a haircut. Oh, it's tough times, it's tough times, but that's the only thing I've got to worry about, that life can't be too bad. It is. When when I have tough time, Carl's times, Carl, do you know what I do? Think about food. You have I, a wee? I, I get that photo of you, me and Femi, I hold it close, and I rock backwards and forwards, and I say to myself, one day, it'll all be okay. Sometimes I'm doing that for hours every day. Talking about doing things for hours every day, it's the podcast whore himself. It's Mike Feinberg. How are you doing, Treacle? I am doing lovely. Thanks for having me on, Danny. I I, uh, I, I also need a shower, a shave, a haircut, uh, a lobotomy, uh, but yet my webcam is still on. It still works after last night, despite, despite soaking it. That was hilarious. What triggered it? Because you made a slight snort before you did it. So what triggered the snort? Because I, I listened back a few times. I was listening live. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what triggered it, but I'm going to try not to go too much into depth because what triggered it was so, uh, uh, an event got brought up on the pod kind of surreptitiously that was not meant to be brought up on the podcast. Um, and it was, and it was my own fault that it was brought up. And the second, And the second I realized what was happening... I took a sip of of the uh, beverage that I had at the time and immediately coughed. And you know, if you if you're a, a WWE fan, you, you you know kind of what Triple H's old entrance was. Yeah, um, it was a perfectly timed spit of an entire bottle of water, and it looked super cool. What I did last night was not super cool in any way, shape, or form. But uh, but yeah, you know, check out our Twitter because I've I've snipped down like just those three or four seconds of the podcast and uh, how my computer is still operational. I have no idea. It's a lot of liquid. It's like it's like it's like all the the, the weeing that you just told us that you did, except it came out of my mouth. Yes, uh, some unknown reason people. I've been awake since about four o'clock and I've weed two and a half liters. I did go to sleep four o'clock in the, in the afternoon. Yeah. That is, that's it. Yeah, I did. I did. I got electric bed. I put my feet up in the air and I get bloaty feet because of the medication I'm on. And so uh, it was like having Wellingtons full of custard at time with my feet. Uh, so I think I've drained it all. I think I'm, oh, I've lost about three standing weight. <laughs> anyway, you've been a busy boy, Mike. You've um, you've done some interesting shows. You had, um, you did the show with Owen and Tom. Then you did a show with Owen and Tom and Chig, all very good shows. And then today you had Mr. Lee Gunner on your show. And I... Yeah, that was not a, an intentional arc of programming. Let's say uh, this is the official thing of arc for program. This this isn't diving for a penalty. No. This is, um, yeah. But I you mean, might they, get hard for it. The the intent uh, is to uh, to step up our content a little bit in March. I've got a combination of both family and work. Uh, a, a light month in both areas. <laughs> let's put it that way. My uh, my wife is helping her parents move down in Florida, so there's not a whole lot of responsibilities to either family or to uh, to work this month so i decided to plug my energy into into putting out some some additional content and uh, and was planning on taking a day off and just coming on your show and another one later on until uh you know a certain i won't call it an opportunity presented itself to me but uh it's something i felt needed to be done so um yeah i'm enjoying it i i it, if we were losing every single game i mean i tell you what I, i'm i'm like obama yang when we lose a game, I don't feel like talking about it afterwards. When we win a game, I, wa- I don't want to stop talking about it afterwards. So um, I slate him for that, but you know it's other people's jobs to slate me for that. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been we've been 
prolific lately. Yes, um, we've brought back the um, the preview show because I enjoy doing it, and the Lone Watch because, uh, well, the man here, Stefan Selby, he, he loves the Lone Watch, and it used to be part of the podcast, but uh, often when we did the podcast, people would fall asleep during Lone Watch, and uh, they, they demanded that I stop doing it. So I do it on its own. It takes me an hour to write. help Because I was sitting there about a month ago, and I thought, I don't know anything about any of our Lone players. And for years, I've gone on about Smith Rowe and Nketiah and Nelson and, and all, all these people. And I thought, I don't know what they're doing anymore. So I had a look at it, and I thought, I might as well bring it back. So it takes, the one I did the other day was nine and a half minutes. Wow, it's the quickest I've ever done anything in my life. Um, oh, that's a lie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's just nice to do to do more stuff. So, yeah, where can people find your show if they want to come and watch you? Because uh, you should subscribe. I watch everything you do. I prefer it when Andy's on, but you know, he's a. I prefer it when Andy's on too. But you can't you can't get the guy's attention these days. He's uh, you know he's upwardly mobile. Um, he's he's just banging just tons of of poon. Uh, as he puts it, and uh, you know, so we can't get him on. But it, there, there's been no breakup. <laughs> there's no, there's no moving on. We've we've added a third to our relationship, which you know is pretty kinky. Is that Ian? Uh, that's oh yeah, that would be Ian, aka Owen. Um, that's for the for, for the uh, for the accent credibility with football, because even though Andy's English, he he, he sounds more American than I do sometimes. So uh, we needed some credibility finally after four and a half seasons of doing this, and and uh, and so we brought in Owen. But um, what was the question? Oh, where can they find us uh, oh, yeah. on Twitter? <laughs> on Twitter, it's at the Gooners Pod. Uh, we we promote most of the stuff there. If you want to go check out our YouTube page, you can go to. We actually set something up where you can go to www.goonersubscribe.com, and it takes you right to our YouTube channel. You don't have to do all those extra steps that you know that I would be too lazy to do if I were trying to, uh, you know, watch a podcast. So goonersubscribe.com, check it out. Check out our library of past events, all the times that we've had Danny on, probably uh, 20 to 30 times. Mm-hmm. Avoid those, but but watch the rest of them. Oh, there's a lot of nice people in the chat that we know. Um, I'm actually 45 minutes through your League Gunner interview, and I said before the show started, I'm actually ashamed to admit that I agree with quite a lot of what he says but I don't agree with the way that he goes about it. So that was the um, entire premise. That was that was my entire premise. I mean, I started out the podcast by saying, you know, it, it isn't about whether I agree with your stances or not. It's it's the method of communication. And look, I could be preachy sometimes, and I'm sure it came off that way. And I've got no moral standing to be any more preachy to anybody else. But the point of the entire thing is, it's not necessarily what you think. It's how you communicate with people, and and. Uh, you know, I don't know that any nothing was resolved. <laughs> nothing will ever be resolved in this day and age when people have diametrically opposed views on things. But I, you know, the one thing I don't think a lot of people do hear from him who who don't like him are his views on things. You can dig his own grave pretty easily. You don't have to just take everyone else's word for it. So, Sire has put a question in the chat, but um, Mike's doing a show later tonight, and uh, are we allowed to say who your guests are tomorrow night, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tomorrow's uh, we're doing a second annual FA Cup of football phrases. <laughs> um, my favorite thing in the world are, are, are phrases like uh, you know pulling up trees and and uh, sixes and sevens and diabolical. Just the, the like, it's like when you become a football commentator in England, you have to just basically brush up on these phrases. And I absolutely love them, which is where the bell came from in our podcast. But we're doing a whole 
elimination tournament. We did one last May with Kevin Campbell and Lee Judges, and it was it was a lot of fun. So we're going to add some phrases. We're going to take some out. We're going to do another elimination tournament with you, uh, Dan Potts, and Owen. Uh, and then the chat will be kind of our, our tie-breaking vote on who moves forward. So uh, That's 9 o'clock tomorrow night, isn't it? Nine o'clock UK tomorrow night. It should be fun, and it so, should have very, very little to do with Arsenal, for, which is which is just a dream come true. So, size asked a question about the Lee Gunner pod. Um, if he wants to, if he wants to hear the answer to that, where should he go? Will you answer that tomorrow or tonight or on another show? Because um, I don't want to take uh, everyone. Go and watch the show. Go and watch the Lee Gunner one, and then yeah, make, up your own, make up your own mind on stuff. I mean, I, I tried to be level-headed about it and, and not get too personal or not not get baited into it. Uh, into the normal kind of back and forth that we would otherwise normally have. But, uh, you know, make up your own mind. You, I think everybody will probably find a, a different way of taking the way that the dialogue went, and that's kind of what it's all about. So, Right, I've got that out of the way. Introduced our guest, talk a little bit about your show. Carl, let's talk about the ben, not just the Benfica game, but the, the two legs overall. Your thoughts on our performance on the night and did you think it was all over because although we did do a show after it we didn't do one after the Leicester so we'll, we'll come up to that but yeah what do you think about it and then possibly what do you think about the we've got Olympiacos again Carl are you excited? Well we made it hard for ourselves didn't we but it wouldn't be Arsenal if we didn't make it hard for ourselves I think it's more the entertainment value we want to keep the fans on the edge of our seats you know at the moment the UK can't go to any cinemas or movies so you know we need a blockbuster thriller where you never know what the Indian's going to be doing. So uh, I think that's what we did. Um, I just, like I said, I think we made it hard for ourselves. We didn't, it didn't have to be the way it did. Um, after the first leg, really, truly, we should have taken care of it from the first leg. And unfortunately, we didn't. And then the second leg came round, and you, you think everything's all rosy. And then we go um, and go and concede. And you think to yourself, really, like, are we really going to go out in this round in a game where? Maybe Arsenal found it too easy. I think <laughs> you, you look at the team and we should have um, easily beaten Benfica. Let's face it, they're not the Benfica of old, not the Benfica who had all them wonderful players. Um, they had a, a reject Spurs player um, playing at centre-back. So, And really, truly, there was no quote-unquote household names playing for Benfica. So you think to yourself, we really should have beat them. But as Arsenal do, we just don't, we didn't take our chances. We created loads. But unfortunately, we, we weren't able to to put the ball in the back of the net, which has been kind of a feature of Arsenal's whole season. We just haven't managed to create our, um, score our chances that we've created. And unfortunately, it almost, uh, we almost came unstuck. But, you know, lovely Saka to... Uh, talisman and Mbappe. What the who the fuck do I think I am? Um, <laughs> I, know, yeah. Mbappe. I know, I know, fucking that exclusive. Yes, I, I didn't find um, <laughs> to <laughs> Young, and you know, we just it was listen, I'm always going to celebrate an Arsenal victory, and I think it was brilliant that we came back from behind and we managed to score and get through to the next rounds, but. You know, life didn't need to be so hard. Life didn't need to come out like that. It was just kind of annoying because what should have been a routine victory for us in the quote-unquote home slash away leg, it just made life hard for us. And, you know, was it skill that we managed to come back from behind? Was it luck? You know, a combination of the two? 
personally, I don't really care as long as we we went through. It doesn't really matter. But it's just, I don't know. It was heart and mouth moments at the time. I mean, Mike, when you, did you watch the game? How did you feel like when the minutes were counted down and we were behind? Oh, it was it's it's dreadful. I mean, you know, the the opposite of how I felt the last fifteen minutes of the game on Sunday. But 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 against a team that I mean, it, it's flip flop from what you should have expected. I mean, teams in this stage and Benfica's no pushover. I mean, this isn't like a group stage Europa game against Dundalk where it's like just a matter of time. They're they're a tough opponent who just didn't really play very well in either of the two. Well, especially in the first leg. But I mean, when we went down to to the third out of three goals allowed that were basically down to individual errors or or, or luck. The first one handball, uh, really in their only attack. The second one, you know, the the Ceballos nightmare show uh, for two goals. I mean, at that point, it's that sinking feeling of we we've done it again and and. You know, I, I hate it. The, by the same token, the seven minutes after we scored the winner, the eventual winner, were probably the most painful because not only, you know, is it one of those rare situations in football where one goal flips the entire outcome. It doesn't just drop two points or gain two points. It flips the entire ability to be in the tournament. It was just such deja vu from last year against Olympiacos. Speaking of deja vu. Uh, same thing happened. I think we, we, you know, we were we were on top, and then with in, in injury time, gave and you just and it almost happened again. So too much stress for a Europa League round of thirty two game against an underperforming Benfica side. Way too much stress. Um, but uh, in the end, you know, it's one of those things where the stress almost makes it better in the end if you just look at the experience. Because and I've said this on on our podcast. So it's a little bit redundant, but my son was in was he's not homeschooled, but he's at home for school right now because of COVID, and he had a break in his classes that pretty much spanned the last fifteen minutes of the game, and we were miserable together. And then when the goal went in, we were it was like we had just won the Champions League. I mean, those moments are few and far between these days with Arsenal, where we where we kind of clutch success out of the out of the jaws of, of failure. So. You know, my my feedback on that game was a little more biased because I was just so happy in the moment, but it should have never come to that. It never should have come to that. Very true. It's uh, It seems to be what we do, but it's just Sabayos made an error and we can forgive him for that. So that's the Benfica game out of the way, Carl. Um, yeah, Nose are just put in there. It seems like we play them every season, Olympiacos, that is. We've met them six times, including this upcoming fixture, in 12 seasons, Carl. Um, we've played 10. Won five, lost five, scored 16, conceded 13. So, been quite similar. If you look back through Arsenal history, we made a joke about this last week that anybody who has got one game for Arsenal, you look back through Wikipedia, their career, it's usually against Olympiacos in the dead rubber in the Champions League. But the, the first time we played them was nine. It's known as the Joel Campbell Invitational, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got out. Lucky boy. Um, nine, ten. Two nil at home, one nil away. We lost. Then eleven twelve, two one at home, three one. We lost away. Eleven twelve thirteen, three one at home. Again, lost away two one. And then fifteen sixteen, our last Champions League season. If anyone can remember that, oh great day! I think it was. And then we uh, lost three two at home, but we won three nil away. I was at and that then, game, which was one of my. Uh, that's one of my best footballing experiences because we needed to win that game by I think two or three clear goals. It was my. It was my on a lesser scale. It was my makeup for not being at Anfield '89 
We had to win by two clear goals, and we did it. You went to Greece. Yeah, I was at the uh, at at the the Giroud hat trick game, and we needed we needed to win by two clear goals for it to not be the first time we were knocked out of the group stages in in like sixteen or seventeen years. Which yeah. you know, again, these are <laughs> this is a problem now that we would be embarrassed to have had at that point. We'd love to have at this point, but yeah, that was that was a dramatic game, but a great trip, and the and the the crowd, both Olympiacos and Arsenal supporters that night, were just ridiculous in a good way. Good, yes, must have been lovely weather. And then last season, we beat them one nil away, like Mike was saying, and then we lost 2 1 at home. And I vaguely remember it was uh, they scored first and then it went into extra time, then they scored two, and uh, they scored another one in extra time. Leno kicked the ball out with a back line when he didn't need to, which gave them a mm-hmm. corner, and, and, and we conceded uh, with like no time left, and then almost pulled it back on the other end in like the 89th minute of extra time. So I think I've got an actual, you won't be surprised, dear listener, I have a database that I've done of every single European game we've ever played, broken down to country and then individual clubs. And yeah, we, we've not done too well against these ones. Carl, how do you think this game's going to go? I know we're not going to go into it too much detail, but it is. We are playing them on Thursday and then Thursday after that. What do you expect? I think, uh, does anyone know if we're home or away? For, actually, I do know because I've written down our fixtures, Carl. It's Olympiacos away first. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's always good to get the um, away leg first, isn't it? Well, personally, I think it is because um, you kind of know what you need to do when you bring the game home. But this is Arsenal, so we don't know. Um, I, I'm hoping that in the back of the, the players' minds, they're thinking that we've got to exact revenge for what happened last season. We've got to play better. We can't think that we can just turn up. I think, as normal, I think when you Arsenal play a club who they think are at a lesser statue than them, they think they can just turn up and get the result. And unfortunately, football's not like that anymore. Football's not, you know, gone the days where we would beat teams by standing in the tunnel looking at them and, you know, almost going to get a victory. These days, there's no such thing as a, as a poor team in Europe. Uh, kind of goes to show... Um, even in Europa League, you know, there's teams that scored against us. I mean, look, Dundalk scored against Arsenal and you would have thought that it was never going to happen a bunch of part-timers, but shit, it happened, didn't it? So I'm hoping for a better result than last time. And even if we go out there and win, it goes to show that we still need to put up our concentration to when we come back to the Emirates. It's, it's, it's got to it's got to be better than last last year. Last year was really bad. We were in a bit of a slump. Um, Arteta for me just just didn't the tactics wasn't right and you know he's got to look back at that game and he's got to learn from his mistake he's got to learn that we just got to play better and I hope that you know we do have a, a fit squad and um, we'll probably come on to Smith Rowe later and I'm hoping he's got a lot of people available to him and he picks the right players and and even the players perform well. We can't just have players going out there and thinking, oh, it's only Olympiacos, nah, we're, we're bound to win because all you got to do is just play them the, the tape from last year and say, well, look what happened. This is what happened last season. So you've got to play better. So I'm hoping for an Arsenal victory and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't win. It's always, it's Arsenal and you're never, you're never confident with Arsenal ever. And before we go on, Jashar is a, a new member. He joined. He gave us some of his dollary dues. We stuffed them down Chris's pants. And that's why Chris has buggered off. He's taken all your money, Jashar. Thank you very much for becoming a member. I hope you think you're getting your money's worth. Um, are you not listening to the Lone Watch? Do you watch them and the preview shows? 
oddly, we get a higher viewing percentage when we do shorter shows. So if we made this five minutes, Carl, people might watch all of it. I think normally okay. for these shows, people listen to about 35%. I'm ready to wrap up right now if you are. So. <laughs> um, right. Can Carl, I say something so, about Olympiacos? Hold on. I'm going to, I've got a question for you in a second. Carl, um, uh, do you think we're going to – you can't predict home and away scores, but do you think we'll go through? Yeah, I, I, think, I think we should go through. And it's not going to be comfortable. I'm not going to say we're going to do them 3-0 at home and then 5-0 away. It's not going to be like that. But I think that we should have enough about us um, and I think either side of the Olympiacos game, isn't it? Um, I want to say Spurs in between. Yeah, Spurs. So just, just that's them. not it's it's not going to be easy. And if we can get like uh, all three wins, I'll take that. But just a quick, just a very quick question to both of you: Would you take um, a Spurs win and Olympiacos loss, or Olympiacos win and the Spurs loss? Which one would you do? I don't know. I would refuse to answer your question and I'll say, I want to win all three. <laughs> That's my answer. I'm not, fl- you're not having your mind games with me, Mr. Walker. No, it's not it's how happening. the game works, Danny. That's not Sitting how the game there works. Sitting in your chair, in your whites, and you're in the middle of the summer, your shades on, looking all cool and relaxed. That's how the game you're works. Full- you have to answer the question. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the the, the proper oh, art. Uh, obviously, I, I don't want to be accused of of, of, of anything. So uh, we're not winning the Europa League anyway this year. So whether we uh, go out in the round of sixteen or the or the semifinals, we beat Spurs. That's what matters to me. I'm not I'm not suggesting lineup rotation. I'm just saying if your hypothetical scenario comes through, uh, <laughs> we beat Spurs. Sorry. Terrible. I'm a horrible question. I'm, 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 I'm a real I'm a real Arsenal fan. I would never. Hey, you don't, you've never been that high. By the way, I'm being sarcastic. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> right, Mike, question for you. Um, uh, just looking at uh, Olympiacos' last game, they went to NFC Volos and won 2-1. They've got a couple of players we might have heard of. Jan and Via. And <laughs> We're finally Matt- going to be on the same pitch as him. <laughs> yes, finally. He'll probably swap shirts at the end and then and then claim asylum at the Arsenal. And the other one is Matthew Valbrainer, who's another yeah. decent player. And plus... A certain Socrates Paspadopoulos. Oh, they've so. got some. They've got some good players, and they're they're he basically they're, ter- they're tearing through the uh, the the Greek league right now. The last two seasons, they're not they're 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 not kind of having a, a wobble like uh, like uh, Benfica has been in their own league. Um, so they're good. I mean, th- fortunately, it's two home games for us because we've been, you know la- we have lately have been feeling very comfortable in there in their place. Uh, the things that, that make me feel better about this and the things that make me feel worse are uh, the toughest thing about playing Olympiacos is going to Olympiacos. Even though we won there last year and lost at home, I know that doesn't really push my narrative, but you know, that place is intimidating to go to and without supporters there, it ought not to be as bad. And, uh, and so I think we've, we've got a chance to, you know, to steal a goal or two on the road uh, on the road. Did I just say that? Away from home. Uh, you mentioned a guy that, that scares the hell out of me, and he's been around forever. He's, I guess, 36 years old at this point, 37 almost, but probably the best taker of a corner kick in the entire history of, of football, Matthew Balbuena. Um, I've never seen him not hit the man he was intending to hit on corner kicks. I'm sure that I, I could be proven wrong on that, but we need to be real, real careful on set pieces because that's not exactly our strong point. If we end up conceding goals to Olympiacos, 
it's going to be that way, in my opinion. Uh, apparently, Ruben Semedo, who's, who's one of the other big-name guys, is not going to be playing. So we, we will probably see Pasapatopoulos and, uh, and, and not uh, Ruben Semedo, which I think is a good thing for us. Just looking at the league position, they are uh, 14 points clear at the top of the the Greek Super League, and they've lost one game all season. They concede in one goal every other game, and they're scoring two and a half goals every game, 48. Uh, yeah, about, about 2.3 goals per game. Um, but they, and they've got the top goal scorer in the league, a, a Mr. Y. El Arabi with 17 goals. So I think uh, I'm glad that we have the away leg second. Well, where are they going to be played? No, we have the home. We're, we're home in league. Greece first. We're, Home second, yeah. and it was supposed to be the same way for Spurs in their draw, except they, oh, yeah, they flipped it around it. so that uh, – because apparently with no supporters in the stadium, you can't have two two games in the same part of London. Oh, uh, nonsense. Two hours it? apart from each other. That's so where's the game going to be held? Do we know that our home game – I take the home their, – their game will be held there, but where's our home game going to be held? It'll be at, it'll be at the Emirates for, because for the same reason we went and played there. There's no – there's no travel restrictions between the UK and Greece. It's the, it's the other countries that right. that's the issue. Yeah. So, okay, that's good. Bizarre situation. But, yeah, these, these should be proper home and away games. So having the away leg, um, the second leg at home is going to be, I think that's going to be the point which could turn the game for us. Go there. And also the players that he's going to use are going to be really important. Would you believe, people, I hope everyone's sitting down, we have one player injured. Oh, that's only um, Smith Rowe with a dodgy hip. That's it. One injured player. I've never known that in all my years, and I've had quite a few years. Danny, a lot can happen between now don't and... Don't you um, start. No, but don't jinx it. Like we, yeah, let's Exactly. Jinx it. You're jinxing anyway. it, Danny. Well, let's get on to... Uh, we've got a question here from Div Yun. He has wrote an essay, and I think it's only fitting we should uh, read it. He says, uh, split in three messages... After we moved to the Emirates, we had no money to spend for a few seasons. Is it fair to say that by the time we had the money, we had no infrastructure to spend it? Well, Carl, you take that part. I think that even though we had money to spend, unfortunately, I don't want to speak ill of the man, but we still had Arsene Wenger in charge who didn't want to spend any money. And the issue is, whereas we had all this money in the bank accruing interest, it wasn't doing anything good on the football pitch. And then by the time, and then suddenly, I don't know if you realise, it probably was about maybe five seasons, players' price tags just skyrocketed. For some unknown reason, a £20 million player was now costing you 40 to £50 million for some unknown reason. I mean, case in point, um, Mustafi, Mustafi was never in a million years a thirty-five million pound defender. Yeah. Never. But Valencia, paid, Valencia laughed at us. I mean, they, they literally had to put down the phone and laugh at us that we actually offered them that. I, I we've heard that from multiple people who would know. Hundred percent. It was it was ridiculous. Think about when we bought Meza Erzil. Meza Erzil was what forty million. I want to say I can't remember 42, something on the lines. Forty-two point five. Forty-two, and then we paid thirty-five for Mustafi. That's and you're talking about we paid forty-two for the best number ten in the world at that time. He was literally the best player in his position at that time, and we forty million was nothing. But then seasons went on, and we end up paying thirty-five million for Mustafi. So, and that's the problem. Players' wages just lich. Sorry, players' um, price tags literally skyrocketed, and 
we got caught out. We literally got caught out of the market. And again, I'm not going to speak ill of the man because Arsene Wenger is gone and that era is finished. But, um, you know, whoever, whoever it was, whether it's Gazidis or Wenger or whoever who decided to, to buy players, we literally got caught out of the market. You think of all them players that Arsene Wenger says, oh, we could have got that player, we could have got that player, but they didn't want to pay the money for him. So, unfortunately, it's... it's if we totaled up, if we totaled up the price of all the cups of coffee he had with the families of of world class footballers that we didn't <laughs> sign, we could have signed Mbappe by now. Well, listen yeah, to this, I mean, right? We all the players. I've gone, Carl. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go on, Danny. Sorry. Ah. and we moved into the Emirates. No, we moved into Ashburton Grove in July two thousand and seven. First game, Burkamp's testimonial. Second game was I think Argentina v Brazil, which I was at both of those. Third game was we was it 06? Huh? Was it 06? Was it was it 07 or 06? You know, I can if I was there. Which one was it? Does anybody know? I didn't ask if you were there. I asked what year it was. I mean, I can quantify it by saying I was there. Anyway, and then uh, the third game was um Aston Villa in the Premier League. And then I was there for the first ever time that we lost there, where we lost to West Ham. Well, you're and, just ahead of your time because if you thought it was 2007, you were a year ahead, and that's uh, that, that's a credit to your to you. So when did we move in there? It was it was July 2000. You've got everything right except for the year, and I'm just a dick for not letting that just glide. No, by. you should have done because it's more important that you tell me. Because so we moved in there in, in July 2000. We literally right. moved right at there. There was the the Wigan game, the you know the the final Wigan game at Highbury, yeah. the Champions League final, and then a month or two later, we opened the new the new place. Uh, Who would know that at that point that was the literal height? <laughs> well, it is important that you pointed it out because the players that we bought that season, 2006-07, Abu Agogo from Wimbledon for free, Vincent van der Berg from, from Heverin free, Nasser Passerite from Nimogen for oh, free. Oh, I remember him. Thomas Rosicki, well, that was a yeah. decent signing, 6.8 million. Fran Marida from Barcelona, 2.3 million, failure. Joe O'Creel from Watford for free. Alex Song for a million. That turned out to be a decent deal. We got 15 when we sold him. Julio Batista got him on loan. Danielson from Sao Paulo, who when we it was announced, I went, God, we bought Danielson, one of the most creative players in the Oh no. No, it's the sideways. We always buy the wrong we always buy the wrong one. Like we bought the wrong Gabriel first and then and then uh That's it. And then we uh, three point four million from Sao Paulo, and then I didn't realize we bought William Gallas as soon as we moved there. Final day of the transfer window, we got him. That was the summer that oh, that, that was, was the summer that Cole yeah, and Gallas, I think, actually, that's that's it. really. And then, the other, him, I think, yeah. and then we yeah, bought the Arnold. We bought Arnold Neymar. Uh, you know, we thought it was a great purchase at the time, but it was the <laughs> wrong Neymar. Yeah. <laughs> and Rui Fonte from Sporting Lisbon. So um, getting back to Vivian's question, we moved, and then have all of those players at the time, only Thomas Rosicki and Gallas went straight into the team. Danielson worked his way into it. Song over in the next couple of years worked his way into it. And then you look at the next season, players that we bought that ready for the first team, Eduardo and Sanya. And that's it. We've got Diara, but they got the ump and left straight away. So two in the first season. Two in the second season, none of them world-class signings. The third season, was probably our first big um, two buys, we bought uh, Andre Arshavin for $16.8 million. Then we've got Sammy Nasri for 15.8 and a little Welshman called Aaron Ramsey. And then we topped that off with a lovely Mikel Silvestri. So only into our third season there did we buy 
players that were the best player in their country or or for or in, for their country with, with Nasri, who turned out to be one of the best in our Emirates time and Arshavin who you know it, it didn't really work out we had some great times of him so that that question that Divion put there is is quite important I would, I would, just add, think, I, I would add the word properly to the end of the question and then it's the perfect question <laughs> I mean, do you think, think about it, Danny. Do you remember the season where we bought in Czech and we only bought in Czech and we were screaming, literally crying out for a strike? Was it a striker we was crying out for or a central defender? But it was, so, it was I think it was like a number, like a no, number well, six a, type. It was a DM, but we were yeah, off, a but. DM, and, yeah. and then. And that was was that the year that Leicester ended up winning the league? Yeah, and we were crying out, and like, we only bought in Czech, and literally everyone else could see that we needed another player apart from Arsenal, and we could have we could have won the league that season. He's not going to say easily because Leicester were on a. Roll. I was wondering. That. Were, I was yeah. wondering that because like, how could you make Leicester lose more than? Th- I mean, we beat them two out of the three games, so people always say that we should have won that season. We would have essentially had to. I mean, I know that. The, there's draws, but I mean, I, we would have had to have won all but two or three games that season and been, it, it wasn't wide open for us. It was wide open for second, but Lester played the perfect season. So I always, I always wonder when people are like, just because it's Lester that they won, they played, they stayed healthy. They played, they, they won every game that was in front of them, except for one against Liverpool and two against us. So what more could we really have done other than gotten closer to that? But do you think if we were closer, we would have put more yeah, pressure yeah, on that's true, that's true. It's the whole, it's the whole pressure thing. But if you got Arsenal chasing you, you're neck and neck with them, and Arsenal play an early game, and then you think to yourself, "Oh, Leicester say, oh, we've got to win our next game," and then they end up. Do you know what I mean? It's all well, we, like that, we that had in our happen. fingertips. We had in our fingertips after we beat them on Valentine's Day. I mean, we were two points, I think, away from them at that point, and mm. and everyone was just like, "Okay, well, Leicester's done. We're going to take it." And and that that's actually the season where I basically turned on Arsene Wenger internally and said, "These players are not playing for him." Because I think a few weeks after that game, we went and gave Rashford his debut with two goals. Then we came home and lost to Swansea, which was unexcusable, and and got knocked out of the FA Cup by Watford, and 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 I was like, okay, <laughs> this isn't working. And then of course we won an FA Cup uh, against Chelsea. I think at that well, maybe I'm mixing seasons up a bit here, but There's no harm in mixing years up in front. Yeah, of you know, I'm, 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 I've got the Danny disease now. Right, but, but the I think even the, we lost to there, Danny, Carl. Just that Fourteen yeah, games I was in just the road. Say, I remember that was the season that I turned on uh, Olivier Giroud. I remember that when he never scored in 14 games. I remember thinking, this is absolutely shocking. That For a striker to not score in 14 games, and let's not make it clear, those 14 games, I think he probably played 90 minutes almost every single one of those games. And that, for me, was I love unforgivable. I love Olivier Giroud, but that that was a really rough, rough patch. I mean, he he brought so much, and he 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 has so much of a unique uh, ability that he brings to the game. I've always highly rated him. I thought he was as responsible for our FA Cup victories as Aaron Ramsey was, and um, you know, and 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 so there's no one probably that enjoyed Olivier Giroud that wasn't because of how hot he was uh, more than me. But that rough patch. I mean, he yeah. I mean. You'd be well within your rights to have basically just turned on him at that point, because that's when we needed I mean, him the most. Yeah, and he at the time that was when Meza Erzul was in his pomp, 
and Mesut Ozil was literally giving the ball to him on a plate. I mean, I'm not going to say that he missed open goals and that every single game, because that's ridiculous to say. But, you know, we had a, the greatest number 10 at that time, and he was flying at that time, Mesut Ozil, and he was giving passes to Giroud left, right and centre. And for some other reason, just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net for whatever reason. I mean, shit happens, unfortunately. However, I still think that the season, if we was going to win the Premier League in, in any season, it was going to be that season. And unfortunately, even to come third, um, come second, sorry, that was always a false second, wasn't it? Because we were behind that lot from the up the road so long. And obviously they had a, a capitulation and then they lost like... 5-1 against Newcastle. They lost 5-1 against 10-man Newcastle that day, which was, that would have been the day. I, I just didn't go to the pub that day because I'm like, I don't, there's nothing to go for it. And and our pub actually has a little corner in it where 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 some of the uh, the Spurs fans get together. That would have been the day to be at the pub because uh, all the games were at the same time. And while we were beating, I think, West Brom maybe or something like that, Newcastle with ten men were just putting it to. I mean that that kind of almost made it all right, but but again, second second place is second place. That season and the one with Eduardo getting his leg broken against Birmingham were the two years that we really should have moved on uh, and won it in the Emirates era, and we're just so far away from that right now. So uh, far. Let's get on to these. The second part. I've just been going and getting listeners' questions from the. From our Twitter, right? I'm on. I've got so many windows open here. Um, Divion then has a second part to his question. It says, We have no relationship with any agents. And in fact, Wenger made a point of not dealing with the super agents and ended up making a few stat based signings like Xhaka, Mustafi, and Gabriel. And I think I'd add uh, Lucas Perez to that, was another one that uh, I think did, did Wenger, Wenger sport him and never even saw him play, um, who didn't work out. And then I think the third part of Divion's question, uh, he's got lovely hair in that picture. Wish I'd hair. Uh, then we swang the other way like a pendulum and become too reliant on agents. Do you think the club has the right balance now and can we expect better transfers now, Carl? Only time will tell. Unfortunately, that's a, an impossible question to answer. Um, you know, you look at the recent signings and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about him probably late, uh, very soon. But William, that was a, a super agent signing, wasn't it? Uh, Cedric, another super agent signing. Um, so we, we have got kind of close links to quote-unquote super agents. Whether it's the right super agents, who knows? But um, you, you need to, you, you have to have a relationship with them. If you want to sign the best players, you have to have a relationship with agents because agents don't care where their players play just as long as they got a good deal. They couldn't care less like if if Mina Royola would have Paul Pogba playing in flipping Siberia if he thought that he could get um, a decent price for him and they would pay him, I'm sure Siberia FC would uh, give Paul Pogba, you know, a couple of fish every day. But, you know, shit, who knows? But and then they, they, don't, they don't care who they play for as long as they get a decent wage and... If we want to sign the best players, you have to go through the agent. I mean, most deals now are done with the agents before they even talk to the selling club. As long as you can agree a deal with the agent and then you go to the selling club and then figure out how much you're going to pay for this player because no club is going to bid for a player no, not knowing if the player is going to come to them or not. It's, it's redundant. So they sort out the deals first, then they go to the club. So... Yeah, time will tell. Um, you know, whatever Arsenal's uh, 
new model is buying players. I don't know what they're going to look for. Are they looking for youth? Are they looking for experience? Are they looking for um, talent, um, name brand talented players? You know, the big players. Are they looking for homegrown players? Who knows? Time will tell um, when we start buying players in June, July and August. So we'll see what happens. But you know what? Um, as long as Arsenal buy the right players, like you know, the bearded one, John Welsh says, I don't care how much they spend on players. It's not my money. They can spend a hundred million. They could spend 20 pounds on players. I don't care. It's not my money. Just as long as the players that they bring in are the right ones for the club. We've got a couple of uh, Olympiacos fans in the chat. Hello, Olympiacos fans. I'd like to live in Greece because it's nice and warm and you eat a lot of meat. And oh, the food. The food is so oh. good. Everything is either meat or sugar-based puddings, and I would be fried, explode. fried cheese, my friend. Just oh, I'm a, two words. I'm a, fried cheese. I, I I forget what the word is I'm for it there, but the last time I was there, which was which was Christmas before last, um, the the fr- I had probably eight things of fried cheese, and then we moved, and then we went from Greece to to London, and I. I, I didn't shit the entire time I was in London. <laughs> I had I had the opposite of what you were describing with your urinary function. I I, I mean it was and it was convenient because uh, you know it allowed me to stay at the pub longer. I'm so far behind in the chat. Wow! I hope the Olympiakos fans haven't gone. Yeah, I like Olympiakos. Ah, uh, if you are still there, Olympiakos fans, are you glad that you got Socrates back? And uh, one of them said that um, he thinks the school, oh, he's got it on there. I don't know what that name is in English. I've done a Google Translate and it just comes up with the same thing. And uh, this person says it'd be 2 0 at Olympiacos and 1 0 at Arsenal. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the result. They are, they are flying uh, in their league and doing really well. Um, oh, oh, that's you talking about bloody Sutton. I nearly highlighted that. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's it, Avon. Uh, Baklava. Looks lovely. A couple of times I've stopped it. Yeah, Bulgarian says, uh, let's stop chatting. Danny has to catch up. Doesn't he done another podcast? He's done a couple now, hasn't he? Was he on with you? Yeah, we uh, we did a kind of like a impromptu post-game. Mike has probably had a few too many type of oh, podcasts. Oh, one of them. Gave out, the stream, gave out the StreamYard link in the chat, and, and, and the goal was to get Drago <laughs> to come on, do a face reveal, um, and... Uh, He's a lovely, lovely man. I don't watch when you're drunk because it scares me. I think you're either going to get naked or beat me up or try and make sweet love to me. It's going to be one of the three. <laughs> three, so, three. So, so, what, so what you're saying is the last pod you watched was like in 2018. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not coming back for any more. Oh, look at us waffling away like old women. Right, I've sorted out some of the questions from the listeners. Um the Leicester game. Oh, Carl, the Leicester game. I only just watched the... Because uh, I'm not getting out of bed at midday to watch Arsenal play. Uh, oh, we need someone to do the show on Sunday. 12.30 kickoff. Uh, I won't be doing it. I'm not getting up. I can't just get up at 12.30 because I don't usually go to bed till 7, 8, 9 in the morning. And I'm not having three hours sleep. Uh, so the Leicester game, Carl. The last three, four game, last five games at Leicester in the Premier League. Lost 2-0, lost 3-0, lost 3-1, 0-0. And then we had the 5-2 where we should have won the league. So, what was your thoughts on the game? And um, I'm just trying to think of anything that happened in the game. I suppose William talk about William and Pepe because, my good God, it seems that uh, they they have clicked. I mean, we've seen signs that Pepe was happy and he's running with his head up and he's playing good stuff. But those two were fantastic, weren't they? Yes, they were. I mean, six minutes in, I wasn't very positive. I thought <laughs> the mistake uh, was um, very. 
what made me, what made me more angry is that we considered an early goal again. And Arsenal don't do too well coming from behind. And I don't know if you read the messages in our group, Danny, and it was doom and gloom and Chris Carpenter was just doom and gloom. Well, that's unlikely. Oh, we've, cause I know, you know, he's like, oh, we're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, mm, you know what? It's a shit mistake, but let's see what happens in it. Um, even from the team, you know, someone saw William on the team and straight away, oh, for fuck's sake, we're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not William's biggest fan. I'll, I'll openly admit that I'm not William's biggest fan. But, you know... Who is William's biggest? I mean, like, other than his mom, like... like <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a guy. There's, there's a guy that's about to be walking around with an Arsenal Willian shirt, though. <laughs> and I'll explain oh, that. Yes, later. yes. Sorry, you, Carl, sorry, you, gave, you gave a shirt away, didn't you? Yeah, Willian cost me a hundred quid. God yeah, you next time you need to stop fucking drunk tweeting. Go on, Carl, carry on. Um, yeah. So, if I'm going to criticize William for when he plays bad, I'm going to give him praise, praise and credit for when he plays well. And William played well that game. He he. You know, it's weird. He started running fast and, you know, he almost came to think like, oh, if I run, then I'm able to do stuff. And it was just, he was able to get up and down the wing and, you know, he set up a goal. Actually, no, the assistant go to him did it because it was a shot come cross. Uh, so I don't think he got credit with the assist, unfortunately. However, you know, William decided that this is maybe, this is the game that turns it around. And, you know, I'm happy for him. Like I said, if I'm going to criticise him when he doesn't play well, I'm going to praise him when he plays well. And he done well. He he really did. Uh, on the Pepe thing, I'm going to be controversial. And I hope, I don't know who agrees with me here. Um, Pepe played well because Hector Bellerin wasn't on the pitch running into him, running into the spaces that he occupies. And I sent out a tweet sort of on the pod account saying that am I being controversial if is I say that you're doing um, those tweets yes it is me fuck you're off you're doing man. a bloody yes, good job How oh thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to get flagged off and, and... <laughs> I did like a naughty school boy like, you've, really got, you've got a promotion is that you with your hand <laughs> in the cookie jar good job I was trying to get those. <laughs> I retweeted it yesterday and went I don't know who's doing these tweets I've not done any of this good in years <laughs> I was asking Josh who's doing it. I had no idea. He suggested it might be you, though. But, yeah, carry on, Carl. They were brilliant. Um, so, I think that because Pepe, uh, because Hector Bellerin wasn't on the pitch, running into the same spaces that um, Pepe occupies, and it, 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 they don't work well together. Pepe and William, sorry, Pepe and Hector Bellerin don't work well together. But Cedric, I'm not going to say he had an amazing game because he didn't. he didn't have an amazing game, but he played well. He... For the third goal that we scored, he's the one that dragged the two players away um, and created the space. So for me, Cedric, um, Pepe, not have an understanding, but I think Cedric is just a bit more experienced to know what he needs to do. And that's why I think Pepe flourished. I think Pepe flourished because he knew that Cedric was behind him. And yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't need to track back, but I think he was more aware that he's got a proper defender behind him who knows what to do who knows when to go forward who knows when to stay back who knows how to create space and not run into the same space that he's occupying because Hector Bellerin tends to do that a lot so yeah I am uh happy I don't know if you agree with me Mike do you think that um Pepe my head, because my head my head is about to fall off from nodding at what you're saying and 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 you know when when Pepe was thought to basically have rediscovered himself by playing on the left side instead of the right 
Can you tell me, Carl, who was the fullback on the left side during those games? It was Mr. Cedric. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, again, I, I, I've said that I'm not tactically inclined. Tactically inclined. I can't even say the word tactic. I'm, that's how bad I am. Um, I just look at what I see and 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 then kind of wait for people who are much smarter than I am to point things out. But between you and others, I mean, it's not it's not controversial at all. It, it doesn't cover uh, Bellerin and Glory, but it, it's not controversial to say that you know there is a trend emerging with with Pepe's performances. And there's pretty much one situation where it, it doesn't work, and then there's other situations where it does. So, um, no, I think you're I think you're you're spot on. And I don't know whether Cedric starting over Bellerin was a rotation decision from Arteta or a who deserves to be playing decision. Now that now that Tierney's finally back, and we don't have to worry about that um, until the next time we have to worry about it. But you know. I, I guess we'll find out on, on, on Saturday whether that was rotation or not. I hope he has come to the understanding that Pepe is undroppable right now but has to be uh, playing in front of, uh, in front of uh, Cedric. And, you know, that, that leaves Bellerin out, so be it. Yeah, good. Um, looking at the game, I only saw the highlights of the game on Match of the Day last night and uh, – I was quite impressed. I thought Tyranny was massively out of position, but when you get a player for the first goal, well, yeah, yeah, their goal. But when you get someone who is almost playing, not even a wing back, he's re, he's there. Is there a? It goes left back, wing back, left midfield, left winger. Is there a position between left wing back and and left winger? Because we're calling it the Tyrion, calling it the Kieran. Someone had a go at me because I say Tyranny wrong. Because uh, I'm not even sure how are you meant to say it, Carl. Tyranny. Tyranny. Am I yeah, putting an R in there? Yeah, it's Tierney. Tierney. Anyway, Kieran. Uh, yeah, so that's that, that new position. So um, that was really good. And then we had the penalty shout, which uh, was very, very close. And Pepe, uh, we have all said for ages that when Pepe runs at you, people shit their pants. It reminds me almost of when Henri used to run at people. They thought, well, he's going to get past me with speed or skills and I can't bring him down. And they brought him down two or three times during the game. We got uh, a free kick or we got, was it him they brought down? We got the penalty that Lacazette took. I think it might have been. And then uh, to to go on to William. That was a handball, wasn't it? That was a handball. I I was thinking, I was like, wasn't that a handball? (laughs) Oh, there was another handball as well, wasn't there? The the penalty that, that wasn't, was Pepe, wasn't it? Ah, uh, well, yeah. there you go then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. And then there should have been another penalty for a definite handball. Um, the bloke had his arm up in the air. But talking about William, Carl, it's not like we're going, oh, William's turned out to be pretty good. We all knew, much like Obama Young and his dry spell, we all knew that William eventually, oh, pardon me, event, uh, William would eventually show what he can do. But it's just when you, well, like when you sign a, a, a new player, you you kind of give them a little bit of leeway, but not someone who's a Brazilian international been playing in the Premier League for eight seasons. You expect them to come in and do what they do straight they away. That, they told us that he had to come in and hit, that, that the reason they signed him was to hit the ground running. Yeah. And then, and then a month later, they said, you got to give him some time. I yeah. Mean, yeah. But it's good silly. to see it, isn't it, Carl? It's good to see. Listen, that, I, I, want all, I want all Arsenal players to do well. Like, I don't, there's never an Arsenal player that I don't want to do well. I want every Arsenal player to flourish and succeed. Um, and he's had a he's had a bad start. There's no way you can say that he's not. He has a very bad start. I think he's got what two assists in how many odd games, which is not good enough. Let's be very honest. It's not. But you know, like you said, 
it's a player that's probably coming to a new team, new system, new way of working. And a lot of people will say, well, no, it's just playing football. It's just kicking the ball. But if you're being asked to do something different, for eight years at Chelsea, you've been asked to do a, a certain job and then you're coming to Arsenal, new training regimes, new training tactics, like, and you're being told, oh, can we do another, do it another way? It's not always easy. You know, you don't know what else is going on. This is a, um, a really bad time as well. You don't know what could have happened in his life that could have affected him. We don't know everything, everything's in the, out in the open. So, you know, there's a numerous, and maybe I'm making excuses for him, but at the end of the day, his last two games, he's done well. He done well in the Benfica game. He done well in this game, in Leicester game. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's playing well at present. So hopefully it continues. And, you know, this is the running now, between now and the end of the season, that we are going to need all our players to step up a little bit. If we want to climb that table and try and finish as high up as the table as humanly possible and try and win the Europa League, whether we can do any of those things, whether we can get to the top six, top four, who knows? This league is such a topsy-turvy league at the moment. It's just ridiculous. Anything is possible, but you know whether it's likely that we're going to get into the top four, I'd probably say no. But you know, if we can finish as high up at this table as possible, because the league for me is the bread and butter, then we're going to need all our players, every single one of them. And I hopefully that this is a sort of a turning point for William and he can go on and flourish and, you know, show some form and do some brilliant things for us. William was, was Chelsea's player of the season last year. Am I, am I wrong about that? Um, and I mean, I, I think that's true. I could be wrong, but his issues this season have not been lack of quality uh, in and of itself. I mean, you don't. I don't care if you're Aubameyang, Mesut Ozil, uh, Willian, you do not sign a contract or make a change and suddenly forget to have to play football. You, you have something that happens up here. Uh, and, you know, some people, consummate professionals, Cristiano Ronaldo moving from, from Real Madrid to, to, to Juventus, sometimes you look at a new challenge and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack this with everything I have. Other times you say, you know what, uh, I, I, I've, I've earned this position. I'm, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Uh, someone's just paid me and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take my time doing my thing. And, and, and when, even if you put forth the same amount of effort from the start, you're going to have lost something. And it just seemed to me like Willian, uh, you know, for all of the play that he got earlier this season, which was way too much for way too long, just felt like he didn't really have to reinvent himself. He didn't really have to integrate into the team. He could just do what Willian had done for Chelsea and, and, and everyone else would have to work around him. And, and to me, I you know, it's taken way too long for him to shed that 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 mentality, and we don't, you know, we don't fully know that he has. But the last game and a half that he's played certainly shows that he, you know, he still has the ability. He's got the the the, the you know the capability to to put in a good shift, and it's just all going to come down to whether he truly buys in to what's trying to go on here or not and 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 won't need to play every single game because we have players who are hungrier and younger that are you know that should probably be playing ahead of him but you know the all of these guys have the skill and the capability not all of them have the desire carl the uh emil smith row as he came off he was quoted as saying i cannot continue playing that's that's quite worrying isn't it it's uh, apparently it's he's uh, recovery. He said that? yeah he said that to um 
Arteta, I think he said it yeah. to Arteta when he was oh, coming oh. off. Okay, in that game or just yeah. like in general? <laughs> as he, no, as he was coming off, I think. I thought it was a, an interview quote, but then I, I mean, looked at I think he said it to him out at Arteta. Is that right, Carl? Yeah, I believe that. Obviously, when the physio is obviously speaking to him and he's come off the pitch, so they can't continue playing. People know their body. People know, you know, when they can and can't go on and and play. And unfortunately, you know, he's obviously felt something go, and it's like when like you hurt your back, you know for a fact that you've done something. You know, and the footballers they're finely tuned athletes. They know how their body should feel. Unfortunately, Emil Smith has probably had this injury before. I know what it feels like. He's probably just thought, shit, I can't continue at all. So, I, I mean, I don't, obviously, they probably had the scan by now. And obviously, the, re- the results haven't been released to the press. I don't think Arteta's due a press conference until probably Friday um, or even Saturday before we play Burnley. Um, so we won't know for a week unless they decide to leak, unless they decide to tell us maybe beforehand. So, yeah, we're not... Oh, Saturday we're playing Burnley, isn't it? So we're not going to know probably until... Friday morning. Thursday, sorry. That's Thursday, isn't it? Because we're playing away. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. press conference is going to be Thursday. So, yeah, that's when we're going to know. So, I mean, I hope that he's not out for too long. I really do, because... I think we have so much more energy when we play with Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, Martin Odegaard, yes, he's um or Odegaard, as if Dan doesn't come from me, um, is you know he's a ready win replacement for Emil Smith Rowe. But I still would rather have Smith Rowe there, uh, and I, I really hope that he's not out for a very long time. But you know he's had some really bad injuries, and he's been out for a very long time. Sort of Emil Smith Rowe. I don't want him to become a new Jack Wilshire. But, you know, let's, let's hope that the scan results come back and it's only a minor injury and he has a, I don't know, a few weeks off and comes back bright as new. If we did not have Martin Odegaard, Carl, would you basically be looking at this and saying our season's just ended? Yes, 100%. Because <laughs> you're looking at crazy? playing... I mean, you got to hand it to hand it to Arsenal for bringing them in then, because... 100%. 100%. Like, no doubt. I remember people, when we first brought him in, people were saying, oh, we're going to stop the development of... Emil Smith-Rowe and, you know, all that nonsense. But you in this crazy, crazy season, people are falling left, right and centre. I mean, look at Leicester. Leicester have got Harvey Barnes. They've got Madison out. They've got so many of their players out. And Leicester are going to come tumbling down that table. That's 100% certain. I've said that um, about them, Everton and West Ham. It, 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 it equalises – I mean, 38 games is 38 games. It – your regression to the mean is, is is certain to happen with them. So I agree with you. That's why I still think top six is definitely on because those teams are just now running into the meat of the of the season and, and getting some injuries. I mean, the whole yeah, league, I, I, you just look at Liverpool. They lost four home games in a row. And they, there's only one team here having their regular season, and that's Man City with 19, soon to be 20 straight wins without even playing a striker. Football is a complete and utter mess. Sheffield United, bottom of the league, when last season they were one of the hardest teams to beat. West Ham were bottom of the league and now they're pushing for the, the Champions League places. I mean, the Spurs falling apart, everyone. But, so anybody who can just look at Arsenal and go, Arteta, you're shit. No, all of football is on its arse. You could, I mean, the, the stat that there has been more away wins than home wins in the Premier League in total, that just shows you that football is is, is broken. And I think... Arsenal and Arteta are, are making a pretty good job of it, considering all the injuries you've got. But now, Carl, 
looking that we've got one player. Not to be too toxically positive. I know, I know somebody that would uh, call you out for that. For that, well, attitude. well it's a fact. I, I I did a tweet the other day about it, and I see if I can go and find it. And I got quite a lot of people agreeing with me, and I got quite a lot of people that thought I, that said I was. One of them actually referred to me. I think he said I was, uh, I was an effing scumbag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, he's right, but not for the right reason. Here we go. <laughs> Me and he's Tom always going off base for calling you that for what you said, but he actually ended up being right in the end. True. Uh, me and Tom are always saying trust the process. So I put, the process is coming together. Ursley's shit at Fenerbahce. Mustafi and Cola causing trouble at Schal- Schalke. <laughs> Matteo acting like a child at Berlin. Three wins and a draw in the last five. Alba has seven goals in his last four starts. Party and Tierney are fit. William and Pepe have found some form. Oh, and Saka, love eyes. And I thought, there you go. That that sums up our club at the moment. Wrap wrap him in cotton wool, please. It's it's, it's amazing what he's managing to do. It was good that he got a rest on... um... It was good that he got... Sorry, one thing I want to bring up as well. So it's good that he got a rest on Sunday, which I think is great. But I guess we can talk about it now, Danny. Go on. You brought on Aubameyang with, what was it, eight minutes ago or something like that. So me and Josh kind of was speaking in the group and I just said, I don't understand why he brought on Aubameyang like, for eight minutes. To me, it makes no sense. Um, I said there's no reason why you can't bring on Martinelli. Martinelli hasn't played in the last four games, zero minutes, no, not a minute at all on the pitch. So Josh was saying, obviously, um, you know, you got to play the player that's in form, which is Aubameyang. And I said, yeah, uh, I get that, but I don't agree because we know what Aubameyang does. You give Aubameyang a full week off. Like you want to wrap him up in cotton wool because he's got to, he's going to play against Burnley, then he's going to play against Olympiacos, and then Spurs, and then Olympiacos again. You want him to play all those games, so you wrap him in cotton wool. You don't want to play him uh, for eight minutes where he can make a sprint and suddenly get injured. Uh, I said Martinelli has got to come on in that game. Now, how can you have a young player on the bench? And obviously, he's fit because he's on the bench, so clearly there's no injury issues there. But if you've got a young player like that who has played zero minutes in the last four games, I think it's silly. I mean, either I'm right and Josh is wrong. There's no other in between to me. Well, his last five games, last five Premier League games, it was an unused sub. He got 45 minutes against Man United, then unused sub. Then he got eight minutes against Newcastle, ankle injury. Then it was an unused sub against the 4-0 West Brom. And then he started against Everton and he played 71 minutes. And then he got the last... So then he got... Hold on, is that come on? Yeah, he got 71 minutes against Chelsea. And he got... So he had a patch of three games there where he played 19, 71 and 66 minutes. But for the last five... Last seven games, he's been an unused sub six times and got half a game against Man United. It's really, it's not nice just because he's a crybaby when he gets hurt. Doesn't I'm just kidding, but like, oh, Wolves have just uh, equalized against City, by the way. Woohoo! Oh, Connor off of, off of a free kick, a header. That's that's oh, Man City to win that, and Wolves uh, are near us in the league. That's true. I'm just programmed to not to, to, to root for the underdog, but <laughs> we, could actually, we could actually use Wolves losing. That's a good point. Um, oh no, they've got minus six goal difference. We've got plus seven. So unless they win 15 nil, <laughs> they're not going above us. Martinelli, the Martinelli quandary is it, 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 it's bizarre. I mean, to an extent, you can understand that he kind of rushed back from injury, played well, but but 
had all these injury scares that looked a lot worse than they apparently were because of his reaction to them. But, um, you know, six games on the trot. Uh, there you go, Luke Howard. Uh, six games on the trot without playing uh, when there were opportunities to certainly put him in that were relatively low risk doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it does it does make you start wondering, is he kind of on our, our Teddy's shit list? And why and how did he get there? It is a bit. That does kind of bring me on to an, another topic. The I asked them to talk about this last week, and Josh said no. But you look at the number of players that Arteta has definitely fallen out with, Carl. He's fallen out with Ozil, Kolasinic, Mustafi, Socrates, Nelson, Gwenduzi, and now Balogun. And players it doesn't seem that he wants is... You think he's ever Nelson. met Balogun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, it doesn't seem to want to play. Is Martinelli Chambers, which is a weird one because he's played twenty minutes, uh, one whole game, and uh, a sub where he played one game. And, he and came in for like the last one. nine minutes. He came in for the last nine minutes, I think, of uh, of a recent game. To, to oh, it was the it was the Benfica game, right? When we needed to yeah. shut the door on them, yeah. and and we had five subs in that game. Otherwise, we would never have seen him. But yeah, he's a, he's another one. But I'm I'm. He's you know fifth fifth pick in a in a two person position, um, and good for rotation and having like to help in case someone gets hurt. Martinelli should be right up there to be. Uh, I mean, it, it's a bizarre thing. I mean, you almost write off this season for Martinelli. Um, unless he, will he won't he won't stay because he is too good. And as soon as he, I don't know about that. Oh, as soon as he gets down, the Brazilian, the Brazilian, the big teams will look at him and go, "Oh, see what he did last season, young Brazilian talent. He can play in any position. He's got pace, goals, assists, everything. Oh, we'll have him." And then we'll be seeing, uh, seeing him playing for one of the big teams like Barcelona in three or four years' time. Going, shit. I don't think that ha- I don't think that happens this summer. I think that's a, a huge threat of happening next summer if he continues to. I mean, if if we start seeing him play U twenty three games again. Uh, that, that's a problem. But if he stays healthy, I think he'll get his opportunity. I, I But I don't see him leaving this summer, but it's a, it's a concern for me. I, I absolutely – he's one of the few substitutions that when he comes into the game or when I see his name on the, on the starting lineup, I get really, really excited uh, to see what he's going to do in a particular game. I mean, Saka, I've just – you've gotten used to it because he's in the lineup all the time. But if I wake up on Saturday morning and see Martinelli in that lineup, uh, I'm intrigued. And I know I'm not going to see that. That's that's what's unfortunate. Carl? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a quandary and it's very, very weird. I don't understand why he's not playing. It's, it's, like I said, me and Josh was speaking, I don't understand why you'd bring on Aubameyang in the Leicester game when we're 3-1 up 10 minutes ago and not bring on Martellani. It, to me, made no sense. He's zero minutes, in, like we say, in the last seven games. That's... That's ridiculous. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Mike, about playing under 23 games, but you'd think he'd need some sort of match fitness. Now, if Arteta's saying, oh, he's not quite there yet, I mean, how do you get there if you're not playing any minutes at all? You're only playing in practice games in in training. You're not playing under 23 games. You're not playing... Yeah, I'd, I'd rather games. play under 23 games than, than, than be a, a, an unused sub for, for 12 straight games. You're, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's silly. And I don't know... We don't know what's the reason behind... I, I, obviously, 
uh, Arteta will come out of order. The th- you're never going to know what's going to happen. He's going to come out and say, oh, well, he's not quite there. And maybe he's being trained up to play up front. We don't know where he's not going to play as a winger. He wants to play him as a central striker. And obviously, you're not going to get in the head of a Bamiyang. Uh, Lacazette at the moment is, you know, he's our top goal. No, he's the second uh, highest goal scorer. Um, so it's, unfortunately, it's a little bit harder, but... I, I just don't understand how you can say that someone gets zero minutes, um, especially over someone like William, who, let's face it, William wasn't in the best of form. So why wasn't Martinelli getting William's minutes? I, I don't get it. And let's face it, I mean, we're going to get rid of some strikers soon, aren't we? So, you know, there's a big chance that Eddie and Ketty is going to leave um, in the summer. There's a, a chance that. Lacazette's going to leave because he's only got one. And I mean, Eddie's not even got one more season. Eddie's not even included in the 18s anymore, or, or is he? I, I haven't. I don't. I rarely look at the substitute. I have an Eddie stat for you because I did um, all the stats for the. I'll read you what the stats I've got. The striker situation. Alba has six goals in his last six league games that he started, which is an important because when you get five, although he nearly did score against Leicester, Lacazette has got five goals in the last nine games league games that he started. They're both back in form. Eddie has played 10 minutes in our last 12 league games. Uh, Martinelli, one I've already read, and then the other talking point about our striker situation was Balogun. Apparently, those in the know say he's gone to Red Bull. So those those stats, Carl, Carl, Eddie, 10 minutes in our last 12 league games. You think Arteta's gone? Nah, you're not cutting the alleged mustard. Ding. Well, you think um, (laughs) he, he brought him back from Leeds, you know, last season thinking that he was going to do something and you know he played a few games Eddie Nketiah is not going to make it at Arsenal I think there's not an Arsenal fan who can say he is he's never going to I can Im- not, can't imagine Eddie Nketiah leading the line for us in that games that is not going to happen um, so he's going to go in the summer he has to go where he, where he goes who knows I hope he does find another Premier League team um, Balogun we don't know. His contract runs out at the end of the season. Whether he's going to stay or not, who knows? It's probably looking unlikely he's going to. So that's a striker you're going to get rid of there. Lacazette, one season, one um, season left on his contract. Would you? You're going to. He's the, one, saying, he's the one that's going out the door this summer, in my opinion. Yeah, and so I understand that you know you want to play your best players to try and get as high up at the table, but. Why are you giving minutes to Lacazette knowing he's going to leave next season? Maybe towards the end of the season, you might sort of drop Lacazette because he's going to leave. Um, or shop window time, I guess, to see if you can get at least 10 million for Lacazette. He's 31 years old. Um, who knows? And yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's just a weird situation, isn't it, Mike? That Martellini is just not getting any minutes whatsoever, not even the 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And listen, Arsenal's last set of games, we haven't, <laughs> maybe we haven't had the luxury of being able to bring him on, but it's just very, very weird that Martinelli, a prospect who, you know, he's very exciting. He's a very, very exciting player. He's getting zero minutes on the pitch. I thought we, I thought we, we would see him in those, in, in that, that that last scramble against Benfica, and then I think once we scored, the the plan changed. I have no way of knowing for sure whether he was warming up, getting ready to come in, or not. I think that would have been the perfect position to put him in because you just pretty much have to go for broke, and he's a go for broke kind of player. Um, but uh, that's the kind of guy I am. 
It is. And the second, the, the second we ended up actually scoring that goal, it was, you know, two defensemen come, or, or defenders coming in to, to try to close it out, which, which made sense to me, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's weird. Arteta's so much, he's it, it, hard to predict. He, we could end up seeing Martinelli play a huge part in the run into the season, or we could see him not on the pitch again until August. I mean, we just don't know. Stay tuned and find out. All right, Carl. That's um, that's um. I did have a little dig about um, K- Kolasinic and Mustafi uh, Schalke. They got smashed five one at the weekend, and then Gross got they got Gross sacked after sixty three days, one win in twelve, and then pointing out that Urzel at Fenerbahce six games they've won three, lost three, no goals, no assists. He's played three hundred and fifty one minutes. Which equals four game, four whole games virtually. Um, but I thought I won't bother mentioning that because there's still some lovers. So, Carl, second half of the show is is down to you. All right, we're gonna have some uh, listener questions, and the first one, Daniel, is for you. Oh, uh, it's from Matt L. Roberts, and he says, "Would you like to see Matt Ryan play a few matches towards the end of the season?" See, that's a tough one because he's a really good goalkeeper. Um, Josh knows his stuff when it comes to tactics and other things. And he says he is one of the best players, goalkeepers. You can have to play the tactics that we play, but he's not better than Leno. And until we're in a position where it doesn't matter if, if we don't play well, if we lose the odd game, until we're in that position, no, I want Leno to play every single game for the whole of the season. But I would like Leno, um, Ryan to sign and be our backup goalkeeper for next season and maybe have him do in the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Europa League. And then see how he gets on because at the moment you've got nobody pushing Leno. And Leno doesn't seem the kind of guy that's going to go full um, uh, Chesney and, and have a, having a fag in the showers and uh, eating McDonald's in, in, in the shower as well, whatever he does. Yeah, so nope, Leno all the way for me. Uh, quick one to you as well, Mike. Do you think that we should keep Leno playing or would you like to see Matt Ryan come in for a few games, give Leno a bit of a break? If, if Matt Ryan had been here since the beginning of the season, I would have been in strongly in favor uh, of, of having him take the, the midweek games um, and have Leno be our weekend keeper, uh, which for the most part is league versus cups. And uh, but, but in the middle of a season when Matt Ryan you know, hasn't had that level of experience, barking out orders to the people in front of him, organizing his defense and, and letting them and having them kind of know what his preferences are. I think it would be a huge risk to, to, to put him in, in games that we need to win. And there is not a game left in this season that we don't need to win. So I think Matt Ryan loves the club. If he's available to buy, you know, on a permanent over the summer and, and, and finish out his loan, I, I think he would do that. I don't think he would, he would scoff at not being first choice, especially if he's told, look, you're going to, you know, there there are probably fifteen to twenty non-league games, and I don't mean non-league as in like Sutton United, but non-league as in like non-Premier League games, and that's enough to 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 make you know. And there's injuries that can happen. Look what happened with Emmy Martinez last year. So you know, I think he would stay. I think he'd be intrigued enough to stay, but absolutely not putting him into any game where Leno is fit and available to play at this point. No, I definitely tend to agree. With what you said there, oh, um, if Ryan's I, free. That, that's I, I, that's a good point, uh, Drago or uh, Avon. If Ryan, Ryan, I think his contract is out at the end of the year. Is it? Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I'd I'd keep him. I'm. Let's face it. Pay him, him uh, three fifty a week, and, and and then we're good. <laughs> Runnison is not 
Ranison is not the keeper. He's not our second choice. Um, and Ryan's homegrown, he, like 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 Sai also uh, points out, Ryan's homegrown, which which doesn't hurt. Yeah, I think we have to either ship out or loan Runnison. Whether we can get him alone, whoever's going to take him, who knows. But I think it was a bit of a mistake signing Runnison, but we are where we are. Uh, I'm going to stick with you on the next question, Mike, and it's from Sam. And uh, Sam says, uh, should we as fans worry or go bonkers about seeing the starting lineup before games? Recently, there's been uproars and crying about starting lineups, and I feel we worry more than we need to um, about the starting lineup. We only have data from FIFA or Football Manager. I mean, it's what Danny says. Do you trust the process of what Arteta is doing? I think the moment the lineup comes out, and this is the way I've been living this season, we need to go absolutely bonkers. I mean, <laughs> if there's not, the, the hour between when the lineup comes out and the game starts is the most prime hour for just being the most unreasonable piece of garbage that you could possibly be. And I'm referring to myself. Uh, I mean, on Saturday, on Sunday morning when that lineup came out, uh, uh, Danny, you saw that you actually complimented me on my live stream, which was about forty-five seconds long of me just basically like trying to avoid uh, being suicidal, and then my head was in my hands, which which is the most attractive I generally look. When, I mean, I, I I was despondent when that lineup came out, which is what makes it just all the more funny. Hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. I was so despondent. I, I tweeted out that I would buy a a, a a Willian shirt, a brand new Willian shirt of their choice for anyone that retweeted my tweet. And you know, if Willian scored or assisted, and we won, I'm like, what are the chances of that happening at this point? And uh, and so yes, you're welcome that uh, that I revised Williams Williams' career. But it's just, I, I I love that it's just an hour. If it was the day before. Twitter would be just an awful, awful place to be. But for an hour, you know, it's it, overreact if you're kidding. But uh, if you're serious, then then no. I think we've learned on Sunday that what you think you're going to see in the lineup isn't necessarily going to play itself out on the pitch, and you should wait for it. But uh, if you have a good sense of humor about it and you don't mind being wrong and you're not trying to just make strong takes and, and, and it, predicting something right before it happens is probably not the best way to go about it. So – yeah, I mean it's it, it's fun, but 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 the real the real answer, Sam, is uh, probably wait till after the game to go bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think um, everyone thinks they're football managers now, don't they? And they tend to think, oh, this is. A I mean, if you saw the Leicester lineup, you would have gone mad and thought, oh my god, we're definitely going to you know Leicester were in fourth place at the time, and you're thinking, oh shit, like we're playing El Nene and uh, the Jaka. Um, axis, so you know, um, and we're playing Pepe well, on the right for, for for someone who you know who who hadn't yet learned the issue with with uh, with Pepe playing in front of uh, Cedric. I, I you know I looked at that as a bad thing. So it's I, I did overreact, and 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 I and I and I love mocking myself for overreacting it two hours later because, like I said earlier, I'd much rather be proven wrong about a negative opinion than than feel good about having been proven right. So. That's me. Yeah, it's just very, very weird. Um, this question's going to go to both of you. Um, Mike, you're going to have the luxury of thinking about this, and Danny, I'm going to put you on the spot. We've already read a question. Uh, and Fred says, there was no break between last season and this season. This season ends on the 23rd of May. 
birthday before my birthday. The Euros start the 11th of June until the 11th of July. Next season starts the 8th of August. The World Cup is the 21st of November to the 18th of December. That's three seasons of straight football. Next season is squad depth more important than first 11 quality. Oh, me. I was just looking. Yes, Daniel. <laughs> I was checking. The... Oh, why hasn't Mike answered that? Oh, it's... just look at what that did to Sanchez when he was playing for Chile with oh, the confrontation. Yeah, stick at the saving tag thing. <laughs> he, and it, he, was, uh, he was probably one of the top 10 players in the world at that time. He barely managed to do it. And you could see he was absolutely knackered. I mean, look at the, the likes of Smithrow at the moment. You can see that he's knackered. He's playing, moved him out to the wide left and, and he's, he's knackered playing at them no matter where they are. I think that's why people are saying that Lacazette might be going in the summer and chip out a few others. I think we've got a core squad now that are really good and we need to build on that squad and keep those players that know how to how Arteta plays, know how the system works because the next 18 months or the whole, yeah, the rest of this season and all of next season, including the World Cup, it is going to be hectic. You're going to be seeing players breathing out of their asses the whole time. They are going to be absolutely knackered. So we need as many players to be fit and to be at the club and to know how the system works and because it is going to be mad. How... I mean, there's so many things wrong we have in the World Cup. Even if you look at the articles, that woman did a thing about the number of people that have died during the building of the, the stadiums in Qatar. How there isn't protests outside of the Saudi Arabian and then Qatar, Saudi Arabian, sorry, the Qatari embassy. That, that should just be banned just for human rights and, and all that other stuff. It, it's an absolute disgrace. Thank you, FIFA. Yeah, FIFA don't give a fuck because they're FIFA are a charity like the Olympics. They don't give a fuck as long as they're making their money out of it. And the whole thing is just an absolute mess. And for this to be going on during COVID, did he mention that we got the Euros in the summer as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I said that. Yeah, um, I mean, they're still not sure where they're going to play. I mean, remember it's meant to be hosted in twelve countries around Europe. Oh. Obviously, due to COVID, that that cannot happen it, no, no one in their right mind can look and think that's going to happen so i mean we've i look, read in the papers today that we've offered to host it between us and scotland i believe um which would make sense it would make sense to have it in one location in europe i understand the reason why they want to share it out but you know it makes sense to have it in one location so you're not having people traveling it's going to be limited um, fans in the stadium anyway, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's not going to be, no stadium's going to be capacity. Um, and I know um, our Prime Minister said that we'd be out of lockdown by June or we'd be back to whatever normal is, but I can't see 60,000 people congregating at the Emirates Stadium from all over Europe coming to watch uh, their team. I just can't see it. Maybe half all... Because it's money. No, they definitely well, they cancelled it last season. There's no way they're going to cancel it this season. That's no, they've that's even kept all, sure. the, all the merchandise still says Euro 2020 on it. Yeah, because they don't want it's like the Olympics. The Olympics still says um, yeah. 2020 because they don't want to reprint it. I mean, yeah, right? It's, do you it's, think it's, just, it's like those? It's like the T-shirts that you end up like like for the Super Bowl. You, you see the Kansas City because uh, they all have them when the game's over. So then you end up with uh, Kansas City Chiefs 2021 Super Bowl winners, and they send those all to like poor countries where they don't have enough clothes for people and stuff like that. There's, there's some countries I think in, in either Asia or Africa where, where those things are. So the, the Euro 2020 thing should be sent there and they make up new ones already, but we'll just cancel uh, it. 
because no one gives yeah. a shit about it. But they never, you know, Danny, they're, they're never going to yeah. cancel it again. They they want their money. They want their TV commercial yeah, money. TV. They're going to play it. And that's what it is. It's all commercial. It's, it's TV. It's TV money. Um, that's why it, we're like still said, doing... That's why we're doing, uh, you know, round of thirty-two games in, in in two cities where neither of the teams are from. It, it, you know, could they have made all of those one round? Sure, but that's half the money gone. And where do the TV people get their money from? Do they get it from us? People cancel all of your TV and say no. You lot need oh, to be gosh. bloody responsible. Cancel culture. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> cancel culture. culture. The whole of BT Scott and all of them, and just say, get together and go, no, no, we pay your fucking wages, all of football, World Cup, ew, on moral reasons. It's, oh, we could do an entire podcast, Carl, on, on the stuff that is going on in Qatar. By the way, given, given the fact that Wolves have just dropped behind again and City have scored, this is the portion of the podcast where the Jewish guy on the pod says, thank you, Jesus. Because uh, <laughs> he's just he's just put Manchester City ahead. So thank you, Odin, as well, and uh, and uh, who's one of them? And Ra, thank Ra. Ra. He's coming soon. Ra's going to be here soon. It's going to be summer, Carl. Ra. Monday, he's, I, I heard he's coming on Monday night. Is he? Yes, Monday night Ra. Oh, I tell you, I, there's a channel I'm watching on Twitch, and it's nothing but old. Raw and, and WCW Thunder. I spend hours watching that every day. It's amazing. God, Can I answer the, the question about the international? Uh, it's so funny you mentioned um, uh, you mentioned Sanchez because it was the first thing that came to my mind. He played a, probably about 700 games in three years yeah. for club. And he's, for it. he's fucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, we, we got rid of him at the right time, I suppose. But um, our national – I mean, it, it used to be that whenever a, a, a tournament came about, whether it was the Euros or uh, or the Copa America or the World Cup, that – or just even the international breaks for qualifiers, every single one of our players, save one or two, would go out of town and, and return injured. Uh, we don't have a, a ton of full nationals, and we, and we definitely don't have a, a ton of full – European internationals, Xhaka, Odegaard, if he become if he plays for Norway, um, he will. Kieran, Kieran Tierney, I believe Scotland qualified, right? Yeah. So Tierney's mm-hmm. there. Uh, Sabios probably won't be an Arsenal player by that point. Burn Leno, you're not going to get too tired playing keeper, and he's not going to be the starting one anyway. Bukayo um, Saka has almost got to be on that on that squad, and then Bellerin if he's still part of our team. Other than that, we've got probably more internationals in in Africa than we have in in Europe. And you know, I don't know when the next African Cup of Nations are. It seems like it's every every six months sometimes. But uh, that's going to be our bigger issue, I think, than the Euro. So, I mean, to the question, yeah, obviously depth is always going to be important. But you know, I, I don't know that it's any different than it always has been because in various co- portions of the world, there's a summer you know, tournament, a continental tournament just about everywhere, either January or, or July every single year anyway. So it's as, it's as important as it will always be, especially for a team with uh, with full internationals. The next African Cup of Nations should be held in Cameroon this year. Um, it's meant to run from... Is well, that your opinion, or, or are you saying that's what you're looking at? According to Wiki, it was meant to have run from January oh, to February oh, okay. uh, this year, but now they've, they've moved it to January to February next year. And so... Yeah, if, I thought, if I thought you were just giving your opinion that that's where it should be held. <laughs> if you're African, then you're going to be playing a major tournament at the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Oh, God, so that's right. Good luck with that. 
Well, I don't know. The, I, don't, I don't know that Gabon is qualifying for the World Cup. At least uh, it looks like it's going to be held in Cameroon, which is uh, one of the safer, one of the nicer countries. That it's not been held in um, in somewhere where you're gonna um, we're gonna have lots of nice stadiums. So that's going to be good. Yeah, sometimes they hold it in shitty countries where uh, you think oh, that's probably not a safe place. Much like when we held the World Cup in Russia, not really a good idea. If there's any Russians watching, I'm very sorry, but no, Qatar. Not yeah, a good place I'm not entering this conversation. <laughs> Well, there's some places right. that should not like, like we see the number of uh, UEFA Cup finals are held in countries like Azerbaijan. Why the fuck are you holding it there? No one wants to go there. That Especially on new podcasts. Anyway, let me crack on. Uh, this one's for you, Mike. So, Matt L. Roberts, he says, What were the odds on John Olympiakos and why was it always us? Uh, we are going to have to do it the hard way. I actually had I have the answer to this. The odds were ninety eight percent, and the other two percent was going to be um, Villarreal because of Unai Emery. But Olympiacos, we were talking about this before the podcast. Olympiacos is the new Barca and the new Bayern. I mean, we are we are bound to play them twice a year in some tournament. And the good news is we won't have to do that for very long because in the Conference League, the Europa Conference League that we'll be in next year. For the next five years, we'll just be it'll be like Cluj or, or young boys every single year. Uh, we won't have to worry about Olympiacos anymore, but yeah, Olympiacos seems to be. I mean, they're not a bogey team, they're just a team that we play every year. We can at least get past them at times. Uh, not last season, but I, I, I thank us to get it's not like running up against a brick wall like we did against Bayern Munich 18 straight years and Barcelona the other 18 years. So <laughs> the, the Conference League final is in Albania next year, Danny. In Albania, it used to be a terrible place to go, but now, much like most of Eastern Europe, it's, it's, it's pretty good. But there are yeah, there are some countries uh, that I wouldn't want to... I, mean, I expect the uh, the FIFA to have the next World Cup in Venezuela. There you go. That's the kind of organisation them fucktards have. <laughs> I believe the next World Cup is here, actually. I mean, Danny, yeah, if we do a, a, an extra, we should maybe talk about the Euros tonight. If we're going to do a, uh, an after dark special because I'm sure you and I could, and Josh and what's the other one's name? The long haired one, Chris. That's the way. No, it could wax lyrical. No, I forgot his wax. name. Uh, I forgot his name after I stopped seeing him uh, on Twitter. I don't know what, what happened there, but oh, what oh. happened? Is it not on Twitter? What's happened to Chris's Twitter? Oh, I, must, I must ask him that because I seem to ask him every day, but he doesn't always <laughs> tend to respond, bastard. But. Talking about, um, countries and stuff I, I, every now and then every six months I put a Burkhat one into Twitter and I searched what people are saying it's usually good stuff there was two blokes having a conversation that both unfollowed the pod because I said on the pod I'm really glad to see there's lots of English players no lots of British players homegrown players playing for the Arsenal reserves and they said that was me being horrible and they're never listening again Racist. these people don't understand football the rest of the conversation that pod was about the homegrown quota a bit, little bit about Brexit and the fact that these players Saka and 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 uh, Smith row they've grown up being gooners. They're less likely to, to do a Cesc Fabregas, you fucking idiot. So before you get the hump and decide you're never listening to the show again, understand what homegrown means and how it affects our bloody squad, Muppets. Not that I was yeah, on, Carl. Sons of a bitch. These these are the views of our guest and our host. Are not necessarily the, like then, then. What else? What other views are supposed to represent your podcast? Then? Yeah, homegrown. Fucking idiot. What happened to Ellis? By the way, did, did, did he finally oh, get his feelings hurt? 
Did he, did he get his feelings hurt by Carl or what? Well, because I'm the only key worker uh, in that for ABW, I mean, Ellis goes to a hospital every day and reckons he's a key worker, but I'm the one that's moving millions that's of people thing. around London every flipping day. Well, I say millions, there's not really millions of people moving around London because we're in a national lockdown, but, you know, I'm still a key Thousands worker. Thousands of Ellis people a day you're moving around now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's more people travelling than there should be, but we are where we are. Um, yes, Ellis is still all right. Chris is, I don't know, watching French football somewhere. Nope. Uh, it's very f- quiet because after half the French teams got knocked out of the Europa, you didn't really hear from um, Chris. <laughs> Funny that. It's like watching a family slowly drift apart. It's 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 hurting my heart, you know. I, oh, no, uh, we all get on fine. We're all chatting. We're all still in, you know, we've got our, our very, very old WhatsApp group. Still got five years Simon in there. And then we've got the old one with us lot in there, including Jeff. And then we've got the new one with uh, with uh, Femi and Nick and Richard in. Carl, there's you know what, one more. You know what all those groups have in common? Fuck all. I'm not in them. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying it's a nice thing for you guys. Uh, Mares has just scored. How many groups are you in that are Arsenal based? Hey, you talk about you must be in a dozen. Oh, it's, I hate it's, it's too many. And, it, Andy absolutely hates it because every time something comes up for the podcast, I create a new group, and he's like, "I'm in, I'm in like 26 Arsenal groups with the same guy." <laughs> I shouldn't forget the ones with Stefan and Lion Gooner and um, and Mister. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, Ryan from Orlando. You, you got one of them. Did you say nice, Chris? Chris Lodato. Oh, Chris, Chris, Chris. That's right. That's right. Yes. And uh, Hedgehog. What's Travis? That's it. And there's a couple. Akiba's in there, but Akiba's gone mental and run away. <laughs> oh, there's uh, another question just for you in the, in our chat. Private there chat. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A uh, question for Carl. You answer it, and I'll have a little snooze. I've had a fight hard. I'm not going to do I'm not going to do a Chris. Bear this off. Uh, <laughs> Looking at the importance of the UER and ESR, possible absence from whom to start for Olympiacos as the front for Pepe, Saka, Odegaard, Uber. Um, no one understood that question because you, you mumbled it to yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. So look at the importance of the UEFA and also um, ESR. It's Mill Smith Rowe. I knew that, Danny. Shut up. Um, as possible absence, uh, who would you like to start versus Olympiacos as a front for? Um, would it be Saka, Pepe, Odegaard, or Uber? Uh, you got to play the, the strongest team humanly possible. You have to go, and so for me, it as a front for, I would go for Uber up top, and then I would go for Saka, Odegaard. And I would probably go for, yeah, I'd go for Pepe. And I'd have Saka and Pepe interchanging, uh, confusing the fuck out of um, these people because one minute you'd have Saka on the left and then you'd have him on the right. Um, And again, like Mike was saying, it all depends on who you play at right back. I think if you play... Cedric at right back, then I think it's a good shout to have Pepe playing because Saka and Cedric, sorry, Pepe and Cedric have that interchange 
with them and they can play well. If we play better in there, which he probably is going to play, I think it's... Uh, I'm not going to badmouth better in because he's not a bad player. I just think that the understanding between Cedric and Pepe is very, very good and hopefully it can continue. And so, um, better into sort of player that you bring on the last 10 minutes and you just say, run, run at their left back. Absolutely make him tired. If he's get a foul out of him, if he's on the yellow card, the instruction you give him is run, just run. When you get the ball, you run at him and you create the space. But for me, you've got to play... Pepe. Pepe's in form at the moment. Pepe's playing very, very well. Um, Odegaard is always going to play in that number 10 role. You've got to play Uber up front and you can't leave out Saka. Saka is... Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the... I mean, you could decide right versus left, but I mean, I don't I don't really understand. I mean, yeah, you'd love to see Lacazette get minutes. You'd love to see Martinelli get minutes. Uh, William <laughs> may actually... I mean, we've got three games in, in seven days. William will play a part of at least one of them. We know this now. Uh, if not more, but that's that's our best front four right now with without ESR in. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a that's a no brainer. Yeah, you you've got to. Um, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to go out and score three or four. I know how much I'm asking, but to score three or four away goals at Olympiacos, um, like Manchester United has just scored its fourth goal against Wolves. Uh, to do that on away goals, then all of a sudden we ha- we have opportunities that open up to us to to not have to burn our guys out in that second leg. So yeah, you're hoping that we get the job wrapped up quickly. Um I think we should know that we're not gonna do that. We don't do that anymore. It would be nice to and unfortunately because of the Spurs game in there, you're probably looking that you have to play put it this way, Arteta's not stupid. He knows that he has to win that Spurs game. You know, he, he just has to, you know, for the fan base, for the local, um, for the local pride, for us talking. If there's any, if there's a way to get the fan base on your side, is to beat your local rivals. You beat well, and, United, and, 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 and with us just behind them. And the, I mean, this is a situation where it isn't just a, a a North London derby where where we're screwing up and we're in eleventh and they're in third place. Right now, the as as little as it matters in the grand scheme of things, it matters a lot to people that we have an opportunity to finish ahead of them this year after after all that talk from earlier this season. Uh, that's not going to happen if we don't win in that game. So, you know, th- th- there there is no rest game in that in that run of three games that we're talking about. Uh, it's a good thing we have some health uh, for once, like like Danny was talking about earlier. I mean, we don't. We don't have to worry about playing 270 minutes out of those guys in those weeks in that week. But but the first game you gotta you, the first game you gotta win. Then you worry about it from there. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the only interchangeable probably people on the pitch is whoever partners uh, Xhaka in midfield because Xhaka is going to play every single one of those games. Doesn't mean he's going to play the two Olympiacos, and it just depends on whether you whether you bring back in. Um, Partey from his injury, whether you bring in Sabayas after his little blip uh, in Europe, uh, that will be the interchangeable one. I, I can't, maybe El Nene, you know, does he start any of the games? So it just depends on who partners Xhaka, then who plays centre-back. is Whether you play Gabriel and uh, Holding, whether you play Mari, whether you play uh, Louise, I think that's also very important. I think the only 
rock solid is the front four. That's the yeah. only rock solid that's, that's definitely going to happen. And maybe it may swap out uh, Lacazette for Uber in the Tottenham game. That's exactly what I was thinking, Carl. I, I, yeah. I was about to say the Tottenham game is probably one where Lacazette gets the start, Oba comes off the bench. Uh, I wouldn't think that they'd put Oba uh, on the left because then you pretty much you take a, you take away Pepe or Saka uh, when you do that. But uh, I, I'm lockstep with you on on uh, on kind of the, the the number nine being probably Abba, Laka, Abba in those three games. Of course, we're completely overlooking the Burnley game, <laughs> which is our next. Yes. Football game. I mean, yeah, it's the next game, and we just brush off it quickly. I mean. Burnley, they just lost, what was it, four, was it four? One, they lost, four nil, they lost to Spurs? Or three? Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't, uh, they didn't pull They didn't give themselves justice, yeah. And um, unfortunately, um, you know, it, this sort of game, you'd think that you'd feel confident about. You'd think, okay, Burnley away, yeah, it's going to be uh, an easy win. But unfortunately, this is Arsenal, and there's such a thing as an easy win. Did it Burnley beat us at home? I want to say they did, didn't they? Uh, one was in our, yeah, we, they did. There was one was in our very poor run and Burnley beat us at home. And that was one of the games when I was very close to tweeting Arteta out. I'll be yeah, oh God, me. right in the middle of December was the, the fingers <laughs> yeah, were like over the keyboard ready to go <laughs> for so many yeah. of us. I was right there with you. That was, that was uh, the Arsenal-Burnley game was, I believe, yeah, that was the one where Xhaka... So we've we've got to beat them, we've got to go away. Um we need that some sort of luck. I mean, they're gonna try their best to sharp shop and they're gonna wanna draw. If we play how we've been playing and we we're gonna play Saka, aren't we? We're definitely gonna start Saka, we're definitely gonna start Odegaard, we're definitely gonna start uh, Pepe, and it just depends on whether you give Oba that chance from the start, or whether you bring him off and you start Lacazette, it, it all depends, but um, we have to beat them, we have to try and beat them, they're not they're a, a strong team um, they've got some decent players, but they don't have enough players to, to they shouldn't worry us, and that's the problem, is the problem, the fact that they shouldn't worry us Makes me worry even more. It will. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yes. But we're going to have one eye on the Olympiacos game, aren't we? We're going to be thinking, okay, although the Olympiacos, we're playing on a Saturday, and the Olympiacos game is not until a Thursday. So, you know, it's a decent kind of rest. And I'm assuming that we're probably going to fly out on the Wednesday night train and then play the game on Thursday. Um, Mike, what do you think? Do you think we'll beat them? Them being Olympiacos? Um, Burnley. Oh, Burnley. Um, I do. I mean, I, I can't figure this team out because just when I feel confident about us winning our next game, we 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 self we self destruct. Why did I say self immolate? That actually does kind of <laughs> that's like really dark like 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 it's not even just that we're bad we're actually setting ourselves on fire uh but yeah that uh, that just tends to happen whenever whenever we think the worst is about to happen whether it's you know pre-game when you see the lineup come out against Leicester or whether it's you know right uh right before the Chelsea game on Boxing Day uh 
all of a sudden the best things happen. So Burnley is a trap game, though, because I think, as we've just done, a lot of people are focusing on that three-game run next week and not thinking so much about Burnley because it's kind of fallen in between. Um, but I, I've got faith that this this club is starting to understand what they need to do. They're starting to play better together. Uh, we are always due to play down to the level of our opponent, and I don't know that that changes on on Saturday, but uh, i like us to pull out a win in that one. I, I wouldn't say it'll be dominant. We won't do the 4-0 that Spurs did on, on them last week, but I, I, I could see a – are we doing predictions or or, or you would just do – do I get specific? I mean, yeah. what, what, do you, what, what score line do you think we're going to win by? I, I could see a 2-1, uh, a 2-1 win in this game. Two goals Daniel. from uh, two goals from Pablo Mari. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. you do that, you'll be a rich man if you put a bet on. I know that. I'll buy a shirt. I'll buy a Pablo Mari jersey for anybody that watches this podcast, retweets it. If Pablo Mari gets a goal or an assist, and we win. Huh? No, I'm sorry, two goals or assists, and we win. <laughs> I gotta Daniel, make it a little harder this time. Do you think we'll beat Burnley? Um, well, looking at their last four home league games, they nil nil with West Brom, one run with Fulham, one one with Brighton. They lost to Man City and they beat Villa. So uh, I'd say we're going to beat them. They've got Leicester on the third, which is yeah. Plus they've got a midweek game against Leicester on the oh, third. Tomorrow. Yeah. So oh, that's, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's this is where all those games in hand are finally being uh, caught up with, and that might that might help us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, plus it's uh, we'll be going up there the day before because it's twelve thirty kickoff. I reckon we'll beat them three nil. Three. I mean, you look at their top goal scorer, Chris Wood with four and Barnes with three, and the rest of their team have oh, all got one. Oh. He always he always plays well against us. I, he's one of my most hated players in the Premier League right now. Yeah, I will oh, easily beat them. Oh. And then we'll be on for Olympiacos. That's going to be the tough one. That's going to be our away to Olympiacos. Does worry me because they're a decent team. Yeah, but hopefully we have the players in the squad that we can um, deal with them. Hopefully, you know, lessons would have been learned from last season. Um, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself and we come through that game. We beat the NPRCOS. We beat the scum. We beat the NPRCOS again. Good week. We go. We move. Indeed. Right, Danny, let's say our goodbyes. Um. I want to say thank you to all the listeners. Oh, gentlemen, shout outs. Um, I, was, I, was, I just realized I had to come up with one and I got it. Okay, go on then, Mike. Go oh, for it. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, shout out to Mike Hernandez, uh, Mikey Hers, as he's known on Twitter. Uh, the guy is one of the first people who regularly communicated with us when we started doing our podcast, other than Danny, um, who probably was the first person that we actually met through it. But uh, Mikey's a good guy. He's always always willing to, to lend a hand to, to our charitable efforts, and he did so this year. And in uh, in exchange for that, not in exchange for that, because he didn't ask for this, uh, he just got a signed shirt from Alan Smith, thanking him for his uh, for his kindness and, and assistance with the charity. And apparently, it arrived during the podcast today, and he was in the in the chat talking about it. So, uh, love you, mate. Uh, that's a little bit more than a gentleman's <laughs> shout out, but. Uh, but uh, definitely top, top gooner. That's really, really nice, to be honest, really good. Um, Danny, who is yours? 
we've got a couple of podcasts where we've got to say thank you to Paul Nell One, who has um, joined our Twitch. Very nice of you. And then there was someone in our chat. Um, oh, I said hello to him earlier. I can't find his name now. Um, and he has just joined the the YouTube channel. God, I've scrolled up. It's not there. Why can't I remember his name? That's very annoying. Anyway, thanks to him. And uh, then also, this is my personal one. This is uh, Ryan does the Mr. Arsenal podcast. I'll put it in the chat. People can go and click on that. That's the quiz that I was on at the weekend. It was a really good quiz. Two and a bit hours long. Ryan um, always arranges really good quizzes. Mike does all the questions. And us lot do our best to try and answer them because Mike is very, very tricky. This is... Um, Mike McDonald. Not Mike me. Mc- no, not yet, because you, you can barely write your own name. Mike McDonald, <laughs> who is an Englishman living in the USA as a football yeah. coach. Yes, yeah, so if you can go and click on that and give it a like and uh, go and watch it and subscribe to his channel. The other one is uh, that's Mike's channel. There, I'll just put that in the chat that sees interview with Lee Gunner. Lee is a, a person who some people like and some people don't. Very political way of putting it. So it's a really good interview. I'm only 45 minutes in. And so, yeah, go and. Uh, go and watch that give it a thumbs up subscribe to mike's channel because mike is whoring himself out to anybody who will have him at the moment he's doing 10 12 podcasts a day and uh my agent is killing me because i i I told him i'm like the man the the man needs to mike mike feinberg needs to sleep i need to eat clearly uh you know i need to 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 clean off my laptop after each one and uh you know they're i'm being overbooked i'm being overbooked the person who joined our YouTube was Jashar Joshar Joshiah. Josiah. Messed that up. Yeah, he subscribes. Thank you very much. I think he's an official mushroom now. There you go, Carl. That's all, I, all I've got to do. Oh, there he is. He's there in the chat. Why couldn't you have done that when I'm saying you're having to go and look for it? <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Um, I'm going to do mine quickly. Um, mine is to Bobby Chakrabuti. That is actually the first person I met through the podcast in person. Met him. I met him and 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 the beloved David Faber at the exact same time at the Gunners Pub. Um, God, I miss I miss that guy. I don't miss Bobby Chakrabuti that much. But sorry, I just stepped all over your gentleman's not. I'm not excited when you mentioned Bobby. Bobby's a good guy that we always interact on Twitter, so like definitely shout out to him and also shout out to Norma. Norma is uh or Norma, I should say. Sorry, don't 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 butcher me for butchering your name. I'm really sorry. She's always a good person to interact with as well. Those are my two shout outs, and that is it. Um, like I said, uh Mike, thank you very, very much for coming on. It is a pleasure. I think it's the second time or first time I've been with yeah, you. I think it's like the second, second. Time. second time, and and it's been a long time though. And you know, I, I interact with Danny so much, but I don't get I don't get enough of you. And so this was. I don't a, let you near them. You'll steal them. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Danny. You kind of had to be here, so I'm not going to thank you. I'm just going to say next time, turn up earlier. I will. I was I was busy weeing. I've had three during the show. Oh, there's another one. Listen, however, whatever showers you want to take, like. Hey. Whether they be golden or not, that's up to you, Danny. Uh, some people pay for that service. <laughs> Thank you very much for you, Cole, for turning up before you close the show. It's uh, I always because you are my favourite, and I always like having you on. And Mike's my favourite. I just want to be better than Chris. Like as long that's as I'm better, my bar is to be better than Chris. As long as I'm better than Chris, then I'm fine. Why would I want to talk about William for now and now? Yeah, shut <laughs> <Start> off. <laughs> I can't be Go on, Cole, in the show. 
Right. Again, thank you to Mike, Danny, all the listeners. We will be back on Saturday when after the game against Burnley. Who is going to be on? God knows. I have no idea. Uh, it will be sorted out. You will see two lovely people or two horrible people if Chris is on. So we'll see them. Uh, until such time, we'll see you later. We have been a Burkup Monday and an Arsenal podcast. Until such time later, goodbye. Hashtag fuck Abyss. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>